co-hosting with Jason Davis and Dennis Peter Thompson. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. It's uh, nice being back in the studio, my first time. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> 16 months. Yeah, a long time. This is our first time uh, having the three of us in the studio. We Our first time back in the studio was last week, but you, you were, uh, where were you? Tell us where well, you were. Actually, I was on vacation. My cousin Andy and I, we went up to the San Juan Islands. And so, yeah. you know, by the time we left Petaluma, we got up to Ashland was our first stop. Right. And we saw this girl that had the cutest haircut. So we asked where she got her hair. <laughs> and then Andy really wanted this haircut. And so we kind of reconfigured our vacation <laughs> and came back to Ashland to have our haircut. We found out it was a barber, but a precision barber. And it was, and so that was a lot of fun. But we went to... Um, did she get the haircut? I, I did get a haircut. Did both of you get the haircut? No, she got the really, the more edgy one than I yeah. did. Um, <laughs> but, it, it, but yeah, we did. It was really cute. Christopher and Sierra did my hair, but this girl in this restaurant, she was just so darn cute and her hair was so cute. So we got pictures of her and then called and made appointments. And then we went up to Washington wow. and saw my cousin Sheila, who was born in Petaluma and lives in Washington. And it was just great seeing her because she's um, 78, not in the great of, greatest health. So we got to visit her. And then we went to the San Juan Islands, and we did all this at the last minute. So when we made reservations, it was really hard to find reservations. So we got two nights on um, Lopez Island, and it was kind of glamping. And so I got the really nice tent, and then Andy, she slept in her own tent that she brought. I'm very <laughs> grateful for that because I had a really comfortable mattress. And, and it was just really beautiful, and it's the kind of island. We brought the bikes with us, mm. and you could ride bikes and the drivers stopped so you could cross the road if you were on a bike. And everybody drove super slow, even like the big trucks. It was great. And so we had two nights there. And what's interesting is because of the pandemic, they're open like maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday for food. And there was no ice on the island, except unless you went to a restaurant. And so they ended up opening a few days earlier, and I'm not sure why, because it was after 4th of July, but we got to go to the beer place and ride bikes, and then we you know, went to the water, and it was just a really relaxing, beautiful trip. And then we went to San Juan Island, which is a lot bigger, and we got an Airbnb there, and it was it was very nice, very, two different animals. Um, well, what was the weather like up there? Oh, it was actually, the weather was beautiful. Yeah. Um, it was nice and sunny. You missed the heat wave. Yeah. We missed the heat no, wave, good. yeah. And so we had one night that was a little bit cold. Um, but I mean, it was just absolutely beautiful. And then we went on this, decided to do a whale watching. Oh, nice. And so we, it was amazing. We saw these orca whales. Oh, yeah. And they had just done a kill. Yeah. And so, and then they were right on the shoreline. You know, they were playing. Wow. And orca whales are the only whale that goes backwards, mm. you know, when it's um, moving or they can. And I think mm -hmm. it's like to um, get the other. Um, mammals um, confused when right. they go for the kill. Yeah. And, you know, I was back in, I was in Argentina in 2011. We were in this inlet area watching these orca whales. And I had this camera. It was a good camera, but not like a really telephoto yeah. lens. I ended up getting a photo. There were three orcas in the water. Yeah. And they were really close to the shore, and there was a lot of seals on the sand, sandy beach. All of a sudden, fortunately, I got this picture of the middle whale went on the beach and grabbed the seal. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it was a, it was crazy. They're, they're beautiful unless you're a seal. Well, exactly. <laughs> or, you know, a badger or anything else. 
Wow. Yeah, that's why they can actually come on the beach and. But the, the, the three of them were mm. working together, wow. and so um, so that's why going back to why they go backwards, it's kind of maybe to confuse other mammals. So when they go for the kill, the mammal gets confused. Well, you know the interesting thing about them, that people forget. I mean, they are mammals, and they they have to breathe air. They don't have gills. That's right. And they're descendant from a from a bear-like creature. So actually, whales were originally on land. And then they um, they moved into the oh. ocean over time. So it's very interesting in terms of natural history. But what a beautiful place! I haven't been there in years. And this was there. your first time. It was my first yeah, time. It's and I, I'd, I'd like to go back to Lopez and spend more time yeah. because you just felt so safe biking. Yeah. Because I'm not like a professional biker. Sure. Um, as a matter of fact, I push my bike up a few hills. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was. I really urge people to go and the. Um, the fairies were really were great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it was lovely. Yeah. It was, I can't say enough about it. Then on the way back, we went down to Ashland, got our haircuts, and I'll tell you, REI, you know, no pay, no tax is great. And so, <laughs> so I did spend a little bit of money. Um, oh, that's right. Oregon doesn't have doesn't a have tax. sales tax. And so we ended up going up to Crescent City down because we were going to Garberville mm-hmm. Redway to stay mm-hmm. for a week. And That's so, also beautiful. Which, which was it was a beautiful mm. um, drive down, mm. and by the time we got into um, Redway, um, one night where I it was like just before midnight, all of a sudden I could feel like something really shaking, mm-hmm. and I woke Jerry up and I said, "Do you feel that? I think it's an earthquake." No. And then Andy came downstairs because she was sleeping in the house. And she said it, the house, it was like a violent earthquake. The yeah. house was just shaking, yeah. and the deck was shaking, and the overhang of the deck was really shaking. And that night, we just happened to sleep under the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and But Jerry never felt it, but I did. It ended up being a 5.1, and yeah. it was considered yeah. a violent earthquake. It was centered, I think, off the coast, Petrolia. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so when you were there, were you fairly close to the river? You oh, river? You just, Yeah. So that's probably the reason you felt it more because the ground is softer there. I haven't because uh, my brother lives in Pierce. I was telling you. Uh, well, before. I was wondering about your brother. Oh, he's way up on the mountain, and it's it's solid bedrock. So he, I, I, well, he may have, but he didn't contact me about it. So it must not have. I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't a big deal for him. Oh no, the, so that's very common. Yeah. You could, like when I was in Santa Cruz during the uh, Loma Prieta earthquake, yeah. I was in a, a class actually on environmental impact analysis, and uh, it, I have to say the subject for a lot of people was a bit dry. It was late afternoon. People were nodding off, and then suddenly yeah. this huge shaking. But on the campus, it wasn't anything like what happened downtown or what happened in San Francisco exactly. at the Marina District right. because of this soil. It's this, yeah, it is, yeah, you get this liquefaction. liquefaction. Exactly, it's like jello. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, something to consider when you're looking at where to live. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you about the riverfront. Yeah, because a lot well, we of have that problem here. We yeah. have that problem yeah, here. Absolutely. And it could, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a great trip, and uh, I was gone two and a half weeks, and uh-huh. I still feel like I'm almost on vacation. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not quite in the mode of getting back. Well, you look happy. You yeah. look relaxed. It was, it was yeah. nice. It was yeah. very – oh, and then – um, this last week, um, you know, the Petaluma baseball team, the National League, yeah. they're playing games because um, they went to the next tournament. Well, my grandson's on that team. Oh, boy. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, we went down, and they won. They had to win because they had lost one, and if they didn't win 
this tournament, then they would have been out. Mm-hmm. And so they won the first and they won the second. And then last night, they were, it was eight to one. Mm-hmm. And then they had to change pictures up because I guess if you, if you pitch like something like 53 or I don't know what number, um, then you can't pitch for another five days, the pitcher. So our pitcher hit that number. So they had to change out. And so the, so the score ended up being seven to eight. And it was mm-hmm. really stressful. Yeah. And, but it was really fun. And uh, a lot of people from Petaluma were there. And uh, so so that was exciting. And mm-hmm. my grandson did two bunts, and he never does bunts. And he mm-hmm. got a run-in with each of the bunts. So I was very proud of him. Thank <laughs> you. And the, all the kids were great. And the parents were very super nice. Very so that's uh, kind of my... Uh, and I'm back to making pickles, and this year I did not <laughs> screw up the brine. Oh, yeah. And, oh, my that. God, I opened up a jar <laughs> and smelt them, and I thought it was my grandmother was alive again. <laughs> it was great. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It brings back, it's, a, it's similar. I, I, I brought some, um, was it some cherries or something home, and, uh, and it reminded my wife of, of being back home. It's just interesting how food can trigger memories. The memories and yeah. the smell. And yeah. I, I just have to say, it does feel so much better being back in the studio. Yeah. It, I just, you know, being on Zoom, it was really hard to have a conversation. Yeah, I'm all Zoomed out, I think. I think I am, too. Too much screen time. Yeah. Well, I, I, do, I still do a weekly Zoom meeting with friends that I connected with or reconnected with during COVID. I mean, we, we all live quite a distance away from each other. And just by chance, we decided to meet up out of boredom, and we have continued to meet every week for the last 16 months. So wow. we're well, still doing it. There's a great every value. Wednesday. There's a good yeah. value to the Zoom when every you can't connect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, it's better than not being able to connect or just or just doing it over the phone. I mean, being able to see the person is, is better than not. Well, yeah. I just feel really different just being in here. Yeah. The conversation, actually looking at somebody instead of on a screen, it was... It wasn't as good as I thought it was. Well, no, there's no substitute for in-person. Yeah. And Jason and I were remarking last week about how the sound is so much different. Yeah. How oh, yeah. We, we've got our headphones on and we, right. can, we can hear us in real, real live sound. Yeah, it is kind of nice. Yeah. And, and I don't have to worry about internet connection issues. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's another yeah. thing. <laughs> no more. You're frozen. Uh, yeah, and less editing. Well, but I have to say it, it did work out well, but you can really see the difference. Hey, we did back. quite a few shows that way. Yeah. We did, and we did good. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. and we yeah. were very creative. We yeah. all hooked up microphones yeah. to our computers. Thank you, Jason. For <laughs> up. Well, I have to thank ESI Audio Technic for that. Yep. I, had, <laughs> I had to run a 100-foot Ethernet cord from oh, downstairs yeah. up to my office to uh-huh. get a good connection. I had, it was a good excuse for me to invest in a, uh, a microphone I've been wanting for years anyway. Yeah. It's the classic broadcast uh, Electro Voice uh, uh, EV20. I really like it, so... Nice. Well, I'll have to get your equipment back. I still have the boxes. So, oh, yeah. No worries. Yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, so, meanwhile, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff happening in town. Uh, I don't know if you saw the um, the survey that's been going out on pedestrian safety. Yes. Like that. Yes. Um, that's uh, something about Brian Barnacle, our council member, um, who's also our vice mayor, uh, just put out. And this is... Really, uh, kind of in response to uh, an ongoing issue we've had with pedestrian and bicycle safety in town. Obviously, we have a, um, a strong climate goal of getting to um, being climate neutral. And a big part of that 
is uh, encouraging more walking and biking, uh, but we need pedestrian safety. Uh, So that's something that's been going on. I haven't filled out the survey yet. Uh, That's the current survey? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's put it out on Facebook. I haven't seen it elsewhere. Yeah, Yeah. I haven't seen that I'll look for it and I'll send it. And uh, Joanna Pond, of course, uh, was touched personally uh, by this with her her kids uh, were hit. Thankfully, they're, they're okay. Um, so I know that she's been um, obviously a, a strong proponent of doing more that we can uh, in town to make it more safe for bicycles. There's all these bike shops opening up. There's so many people that want to bike here, That's right. but people are scared. And I know I went to uh, Schollenberger for the first time in a little while. I rode my bike all the way from the west side uh, to Schollenberger and Ellis Creek, and that is a sketchy path. <laughs> no, it's a very sketchy path, yeah. and the other thing is, um, even at Schollenberger, yeah. riding on gravel, I know as I've gotten yes. older, yeah. I really worry about gravel because yeah. my cousin and I, we both broke our wrists. Yes. Um, we're both 66. Yeah. And what, one thing I did invest in was a really top-notch helmet mm-hmm. um, because I'm really concerned about that. Yeah. But it's, you know, when you talk about getting from your house to Schollenberger, yeah. I mean, at least I can go down McDowell right. and different ways. Right. Right. I mean, from the west side, it's really dangerous. And, you know, when I was on the council, we were talking about all these interconnections. Yes. And this is so long ago, and I feel like the council is finally going in the right direction. But I will tell you, I'm very concerned about the direction our city staff is going. Right. And I want to just share a story recently sure. on McDowell. They're restriping and, you know, and once again, re-asphalting because it's now become a truck route. Right. Um, and so there is a left-hand turn lane, no, a left-hand turn lane, the southbound left-hand turn lane, if you get to Rainier, is stacks three cars in there. Mm. But you have to be in the, the regular lane that's just going south before you can get into that pocket. And mm-hmm. so it's always backed up. And so I contacted the city and I explained to them why they need to remove this left-hand turn lane onto transport for the big trucks. And because there's a, a, a lane just just north of that, just, you know, mm-hmm. the next um, left-hand turn lane. And make this a stacking lane so people can get, you know, get stacked in the left-hand mm-hmm. turn lane. Mm-hmm. And so finally I'm talking to Ken, the head of the transportation, you know, in Petaluma. He gave me 1970s thinking. <laughs> and, and just so people know, Rainier, I, McDowell was two lanes. It was in mm-hmm. 1990s when they built it into four lanes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was a two-lane road mm-hmm. um, and, you know, instead of four, which it is now. So they contacted the police, and the police said, well, there's no accident. So if there's no accident, nobody's killed. The city refuses to do anything. Mm-hmm. And then he said, and the city's goal is climate change. And then the trucks would have to drive an extra quarter of a mile. And there's motorhomes parked, and they don't know if they can even get around mm-hmm. in transport drive. Mm-hmm. And so they played, pulled every um, reason why they couldn't. And I said, Ken, it's 2000, almost 22. Mm-hmm. That was done in the 1990s. We have to start thinking progressively. Yeah. And so the city refuses to make any changes on it, and I'm not done with it hmm. because it goes back to, like, the bike paths you're talking about. Yeah. 
and just it's public safety. Yeah. But when I was in Alameda last night, you know, watching these games, mm-hmm. I actually took some pictures because on some of the corners where it's kind of close to schools and in uh, neighborhoods, they have these ballards. Yeah. And so, like, Joanna Pond's children, when they were, they would not have been hit if those ballards were there right. because the car would have had to drive right. around. They would have been safe. So I, I don't know if the pictures are great. I have to look at yeah. them. But those are simple things that you can do. But back to Schollenberger, that was that took a lot of guts to drive. <laughs> to <laughs> ride your bike know, I will say I did yeah. it several years ago, and the situation has improved. I mean, I found um, that I was able to avoid going down Lakeville. I, right. What I did is I I went over by um, you know by the Smart Rail, and then there's that I can't remember That's the name of the road, uh, but the road that goes to Cots. Exactly. Yes. And so that's actually the way I went. Yes. And that part is fine, but there's a por- there's a part in between there where you either have to go back on Lakeville or you end up kind of in a no-man's land. Actually, there's quite a few um, homeless encampments that I saw, which didn't bother me. It's just... Um, it's not so. It's not such a great path for for biking. You right. have to have knobby tires, mm-hmm. right. and then there's, it involves two railroad crossings as well, where there were no, there was no blockage or signage or anything. You just right. had to be really careful, and so it it wasn't the safest, but I, I was able to do it. But what surprised me is the new developments there that weren't asked to contribute to any bike. Paths. That's what I can't understand. Is they approved? There's a, a Sheraton over there now, um, or is it a no? It's, it's a, a Hilton, or what is a, it? It's a Marriott. Marriott. Thank yeah. you, Marriott Courtyard. Yeah, and and so they built this thing, but there's no bike paths around. Well, do you want to know the history behind that? I remember that. I know a little bit, but you can tell okay, me. This was <laughs> Bill White. Yeah. Yep. And this was Gabe Kearney, Kathy Miller, yeah. Mike Healy, yeah. and Chris Albert. I remember yeah. this. They did which. But let's be real clear. Mike Healy is the developer's man to get yep. everything through. He yep. gets the votes. Yep. And, and and what they did was they said, oh, we'll have a bike path on the perimeter of the area right. because Bill, the whites didn't want a bike path yeah. and their attorney. And so, I mean, this well, is there isn't one. <laughs> Andronico is their attorney. Uh-huh. And, and so um, this is all on the public record, yeah. so anybody can read about sure. this. And so this project was approved with one single lane out, one single lane in, so there's no bike paths right. with the lanes in there. Right. It's extremely dangerous, right. and um, and the city has moved forward with this, and that's why it's so important to get that Caulfield extension. Right. And the way, if I really urge people to go down there and walk this area, right. and then go see where the boulevard connection is supposed to be. Right. It is a joke, and this is 100% Mike Healy pushing this, and this is why I don't think that we're getting the transportation and the safeties issues pushed forward for bike and pedestrians. Because when I talked to Ken at the city, I thought I was talking to somebody with 1970s thinking. There was <laughs> well, no progression. And what he said to me is, well, you know, the city already built an undercrossing so we can go ahead and build Rainier. So where's the $100 million for it? This is, I think there needs to be a lot of changes and... Um, well, thanks for bringing that up. I mean, I, I, I know. I mean, on that, since you brought up Rainier, I mean, I thought it was pretty clear. Uh, Mike Healy paid for robocalls telling us all that if we voted for Brian Barnacle and Dennis uh, Posake that we wouldn't have Rainier. Okay, thanks for telling me. We did vote for them. 
So I guess we don't have Rainier. Well, and then we have, <laughs> we have the Corona overcrossing yeah. that I've been working on yeah. for years yeah. about just getting into this in the SCTA yeah. list. The city, I, I have to say the entire council is not yeah. pushing for this except Barnacle. Somebody was killed on that roadway. Yeah. And so we go back to how do we get from point A to point B without thinking we're going to be killed? So so when I'm going to Schollenberger, it was like, it was once I got there, and there, and I have to say, there's only a few stretches now that need to be worked on. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is a pretty safe path. Yeah. Um, you go by Almond Marsh. I, you know, I end up by the Sheraton. I go to the back, and I end up in Schollenberg. Oh, it's you great. went that way. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great – it's a great oh. – I, I did a, it's a pretty good way. But the thing is, I have a mountain bike. You could not do that on a road bike. No, road bike with the thin no, no, no. tires, it's not going to work. No. And the same goes for the path around Schollenberger. It's gravel, so you got to be careful if you have a road bike. That's, that's right. So I, have a, I happen to have a mountain bike. Yeah. But here's the thing. By the time I got there, it was starting to get close to, uh, you know, the end of the day. Oh, it was starting really? to get dark. And now I'm looking in the paper today, <laughs> and I see... West Nile. Yep. So I was yeah. actually, without knowing that, um, I was exposing, I was actually thinking about it at the time, I, oh, I wonder if that West Nile thing is coming back. Well, sure enough. Sure so, is. So we're advising, uh, the city officials are advising, um, let's say officials with the region's lead mosquito control agency are urging residents to protect themselves against West Nile virus after routine testing uncovered the first confirmed presence of the virus in mosquitoes near popular Petaluma walking trails. Scientists with the Marin Sonoma Mosquito Vector Control District confirmed the virus in mosquitoes collected near the city's Ellis Creek water recycling facility, marking the first such detection in either North Bay County this year. Um, So it says there's a quote here. It says, we do generally see virus activity in that particular area, and the last time we detected West Nile virus there was in 2018. I realize it's been that long. It's been a long time. Um, On top of COVID, we got West Nile. Well, I'm really (laughs) glad you brought that up because I was reading something, um, I think it was on Nextdoor, and somebody had seen a bug, Mm. and they didn't really know what it was. It was, I have to say, it was the ugliest bug I'd ever seen, and it was this black bug, but it looked like it had... You're just biased against bugs. Well, I I don't like (laughs) it. It looked like it had big pincers at the end of uh-huh. pincher bugs. Uh-huh. It looked like um, what are those things that have the, the the scorpion? Okay. It was. I mean, it was ugly. So they didn't know what it, it was. Like an earwig. It was not an earwig. <laughs> okay. It was. It was. I've never seen a bug like this, uh-huh. but there's a lot of bugs I haven't seen. So I just want to let people know if you have a question on like bugs, it's not just about mosquitoes. Right. You can call the Marin Sonoma Mosquito Control. Uh-huh. They're in Katati, and their phone number is seven zero seven. Two eight five two two zero zero, and they're really helpful there because Andy, my cousin, had these weird bugs, and so I said, let's put them in a bag and bring them up there. And of course, they're closed because of COVID. But somebody came to the door, took the bag, and got our information, and they called back. Did they tell you what it was? Yeah, they did. There, it, it's a type of fly that comes every year. <laughs> we oh. didn't know, but she has this other weird thing, so she's bringing that up there. So I just say, a Marin Sonoma Mosquito um, yeah. Abatement Control is a great resource, mm-hmm. and they're only in Katati. So I didn't realize this, but according to the article in the Argus Courier, it says the West Nile virus is the leading cause of mosquito-borne disease in the continental U.S. According to Centers for Disease Control, among those infected, about one in five experience symptoms, while one in 150 develop serious or sometimes fatal illness from the virus. Mm-hmm. 
And so there's some, some things to do is you want to make sure that you wear mosquito repellent when outdoors at dusk and dawn. Use a repellent containing one of the following active ingredients. And then there's a list of toxic ingredient, DEET. DEET. Um, Picari, then oil of lemon eucalyptus. So maybe that sounds a little better. Or IR3535. I don't know what that is. And you want to avoid being outdoors during peak mosquito activity, dawn and dusk. There is a number you can call 707-285-2200 if you have a mosquito-related problem that you can't resolve. You want to check and maintain all window and door screens. We've been leaving our door open. I'm going to start closing that. And if you see dead birds, it says to uh, report those to the West Nile Virus Hotline, 1-877-WNV-BIRD. Um, and, you know, people think because we're in a drought, there isn't standing water, but it, don't, it doesn't take a lot. So it says, while there may be a lesser amount of water in creeks and in other areas, you do find more ponded areas of water, and those right. happen to have a higher concentration of mosquito larvae. But you, also and you, need, you need to change out your dog's water dish every yes. well, I, I do that, dish, yeah. but also, like, if you have, like, a, a water fountain, mm-hmm. you need, sometimes you can... This is what I'll, I'll do. I'll drop a drop of oil in there, mm-hmm. and the oil kind of goes on the surface, and so it kills the larvae, mm-hmm. you know, when they try and get out. Um, so, I mean, if you check into that before people try it, but, but I mean, there's all kinds of standing water, and every oh. year we go around the house and make sure that water is not standing, and it could be just in a tree, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, if you have, like, a, a hollowed-out area, um, it can be anywhere. So on my way, also, I passed Steamer's Landing and some um, some other areas along the way. And I did see, as I mentioned, a lot of homeless encampments. Yeah. And so there's another article in the paper um, that has to do with $1.7 million yeah. that is going to go towards the creation of tiny homes uh, for the homeless population. And in fact, there's a uh, gentleman in town, Miguel Elliott, who... Uh, he's famous for making these uh, sort of uh, adobe-style right. pizza ovens, and he also makes these small adobe homes, and he's uh, been, I guess, commissioned to do that in Oakland. Exactly. And so we're looking at possibly having him involved in making these little, um, like, a, like a little village kind of for, for people that are homeless. You know, I have to say the homeless up in Portland, mm-hmm. and I mean, it looked just like San Francisco or in yeah. Oakland. Yeah. And, you know, the first time I really saw that type of homeless this was down in L.A. about mm-hmm. five years ago. And, you know, just in the middle of streets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are humans. And then you mm-hmm. have, um, you know, feces and you oh, know, what yeah. people do. I mean, it's just it's a real health hazard. And we can't just say, oh, move. Well, I remember my grandfather mm-hmm. when I was a kid telling me about how when he went to India, he was so uh, saddened to see uh, so much rampant poverty and and what you said, people not having bathrooms and doing that in the street. Well, guess what? That's happening here. I mean, it's happening in San Francisco. It's happening uh, everywhere. And it's just, again, a a glaring uh, disparity uh, and wealth gap. You know, Bezo, you know, and... uh, Yeah, they're going him spending billions to go up in the... the Same with the Galactic. You know, Virgin... Yeah, yeah. The Virgin Air. Richard I mean, Branson they're, and they're billionaires, yeah. and yet they're thanking their company. You know, they're thanking us for buying from Amazon, and they're thanking the people that work there so he can go ahead and take a joyride when we have so much poverty. Now, if he gave, really donated to yeah. find creative solutions right. to this right. and did that, I would, you know, applaud. Well, I would, okay, to be a somewhat balanced, what I will 
give him credit for is the craft that he used in the case of Bezos. That's true. Was low GHGs, low, low yeah. greenhouse gases. So the, the type of engine technology that he's using is innovative, and that is a good thing. But the whole idea of being excited about space tourism and the exploitation of resources in space, yeah. this is a huge problem for me. And to be honest, I, as much as I, um, I supported Obama and I voted for him twice, he was part of that. He was he was instrumental in in the privatization of, of our space program. Yes, yes, he was. And this is a consequence. And yeah. one of the deals they struck was that um, people that that do that, that go out into space, private companies, they're able to keep whatever they get. Any kind of if they start mining asteroids or any of that, that's all theirs. So there's been it's almost like what happened with Manifest Destiny about you know you could just be a homesteader and come to right. the, who cares if there's Indians or whatever, uh, sorry Native Americans Indigenous people, um, it's it's a similar thing and we don't have to worry about aliens out there uh, necessarily but the whole idea that we've trashed this planet and now we're going to start trashing space with more commercialization I find that offensive I, I really would like the return of a a public space program where the mission is pure science exploration. Uh, everything we need to do to save the planet. Um, and that's what it should be about. And this whole idea of people profiting in space, it just, it sickens me. <laughs> well, I think it's, um, it's besides the profit. I mean, you can see, I mean, you can have warfare up there. You know, well, taking down satellites. Yeah. I mean, there's space debris. And the of space is another, is another problem. Yeah. I mean, it really needs to be yeah. an international thing. I mean, remember, like, all of the international stuff that happened back in, like, the 70s and the 80s? Um, and we're still some of that. You know, there is a space station, but it's not a U.S.-owned space station. Right. Um, so, I don't know. I, there's a lot of issues with, with all of that. Um, but, yes, we got on that tangent because, it, again, it, it just illustrates um, the discrepancies right. in the wealth. I mean, these people are, you know, taking a joyride into space uh, while the planet's on fire uh, or flooding. Have you seen the flooding in China that happened where uh, people were killed in the subway? in Europe. And well. it's been incredibly bad Europe, in I, Germany well. as well. Well, I mean, I just went through the fires up in Oregon, and yeah. by the time we got up there and then came yeah. back, I mean, the smoke was worse. And today, you know, if you look toward um, Santa Rosa North, I mean, the pollution yeah. here is horrible. Yeah. But it's not it's just during fires. It's not just during fire well, season yeah. anymore. It's all the time. Yeah. Right. Well, I saw another EV in the parking lot when I pulled in. Someone's got a, another e-golf. Uh, someone who I guess presumably works here. Um, that's a good step going to an electric vehicle. Well, we're looking at getting an electric vehicle. Yeah. They're Maybe. getting they're getting yeah. better. They're getting less expensive. Yeah. Um, I mean, now there's deals. Uh, some of them are incredibly uh, generous in, ser in terms of the incentives. Okay, uh, which ones? Because I'm really looking. Yeah, well, one that I saw was the uh, the Mirai. I think it is. It's Toyota, and it uses a one of the reasons the incentives are so big on it is it's a hydrogen fuel cell exactly. car. That's, and the challenge with those is there aren't a lot of stations that have that. That's right. Uh, but I did look it up. The closest one to Petaluma is in Nevada. Right. Uh, but they're giving away, like, basically free fuel if you get one of these cars and quite a few incentives. I, I saw one in L.A., and it was really funny because out of the tailpipe, you don't see smoke or anything. It's dripping water. Right. So it's like it's exactly. taking a leak as it's going down the road. You it's know, I actually funny. researched those, and yeah. that was the biggest problem yeah. is um, capacity. You know, where do you get the... The fuel. Yeah, being able to being able to fuel up, but the but the good news is there's more of those, and what's nice is you don't have the range anxiety as much as long as you're within proximity to one of those stations. 
uh, and it's a quick fill-up. So it's not like with an electric where you have to wait a little while. Right. It's just like filling up a gas tank. with It's liquid. With so, so what does the liquid consist of? It's a hydrogen. It's hydrogen. It's, it's liquid hydrogen. Wow. And so they, uh, there's a whole process um, where they ext- extract that you know, from water, and then it goes into your... Uh, it, it's a liquid that goes into your yeah. tank, and then what the result is, uh, the byproduct is basically water that comes out of the tailpipe. Yeah. And when you're traveling, where do you refuel? Well, that's what I'm saying. They have stations, but you got to you got to plan, you got to plot it out. But I mean, you can run, you can go quite a bit. I mean, the range is is much longer. Uh, and then on the on the electric front, obviously those are getting better and better. Uh, there are now uh, cars out there that are in the upper 20K range as opposed to upper 30K. And there's leases you can get. There's uh, quite a few incentives, um, rebates. And also you can get used ones. I mean, the, right now the blue book on, on an eagle from 2018, I think is probably, I don't know, anywhere from 11 to 13K or something like that. So that's actually a good opportunity for people is to get the, um, the used ones that come up. Leases typically go for about three years. Right. A lot of the people that lease the electric vehicles, they want to just keep moving up and getting the newer and newer one. But if range of 150 miles is adequate for you, I mean, you can buy, I mean, my, I have an e-golf right now yeah. that I'm leasing. My lease is going to be up in December, and I think I'm going to owe around 11K on it. Um, I, I haven't decided whether I'm going to keep it or not, but if I, if I turn it in, someone's going to get a great deal on a not very old e-golf. Right. And even though there's the issue of the batteries over time, my understanding is that in California, no matter what, there's a 100,000-mile warranty. I think so. So, so basically, I mean, I I think I have like twenty thousand miles on it or something like that. So it's it's going to have a good lifespan. You know, it's it's, it's not enough mileage for my needs because I've been really watching. You know, um, how many miles I go. And well, how many how many miles do you need to go in a day? Um, well, I'm not looking for a day. I mean, sometimes I will go a lot if I go up to the Eel River. As an example, so Eel River, you would need um, you would need more. Exactly. Uh, you would, but you would, but, right. that, but what you do is you you plan your trip. Well, so I've, been, I've been going down to Alameda every night since Tuesday. That's easy, and it's fifty. It's fifty miles, that's so easy. I can get there and yeah. back anywhere in the Bay. But area. I can't really go any other area. No. So what a lot of people do is they have two cars, and that's that's what I do. I have a gas car right. uh, that's been paid for. I hardly ever drive it. Right. And when I do drive it, it's when I need to go to places that are out of range. I went and visited my brother. I took my little Toyota MR2. Uh, so, you know, it's not an all-or-nothing scenario. The other thing a lot of people do is if they're not needing to travel that much all the time, if most of their travel is within a 150-mile radius or so, um, on the times where they do need to take a longer trip, they rent a car. That's how often do you do that? That's true. You know, so I mean, sometimes people buy things thinking, well, if I ever want to do this, I need this. Well, it's like, well, how often do you need to do that? That's true. So, so how long does it take for you to recharge your car once you've depleted it? It depends on how you charge it. Like, I, for example, I charged it at a charger in the Keller Street garage, and that took, I think it was about a couple hours to, to top it. I, that same thing at my house is an overnight deal. 
And it's simply because I haven't upgraded to put a faster charging system in my house. I just okay. plug right into the wall, and that's slow. But the reason I've, I've done that is typically I don't have – I'm not in a situation where, oh, I don't have the miles, and, you know, and I, of course I have a gas car. But there was this occasion recently where um, it would have taken too long for me to charge up at home, so I just drove it to the Keller Street Garage and paid, like, I think it was – Two dollars and fifty cents, or something like that, to to get up to hundred uh, percent. Well, see, we do, we have solar on the house now. There you and go. So you know, we're looking at all these yeah. different means. It's like you know, with our water, I as an example, you know, we just really reduced our water yeah. usage um, because I don't think people realize that you know you have a drip system and it's yeah. on plants are actually yeah. established. Yeah. So you can really reduce. So we mm-hmm. ended up bringing our water bill down from 180 to $108 in compared to the month, the same months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so now all of a sudden, you know, you're starting to look at how much gas, you know, and the cost of gas. Mm-hmm. And, and then we're trying to figure out, well, gee, if we had an electric car, it would actually be cost effective. It's absolutely cost effective. Yeah. The other thing that's neat is, I, I mentioned this before on the program, is you can use it as a battery to charge other things. So if there, people are concerned about power outages and things, well, right. if you have your EV charged, you can tap that to, to, to power your whatever. Right? Well, you got to get a pretty big, um, <laughs> a pretty big charge uh, transformer to do right. that, or inverter rather. Um, but uh, but you know, for laptops, for your phone, for things like that, you can actually tap the energy of your electric field. The other thing is. Driving, if you're by yourself, normally that means you can't use the carpool lane, right? Well, not with an EV. You can you get a sticker on your car, and that means you can go in the carpool lane. So it's also you can get places faster. Um, you have that advantage. You don't actually have to have two people in the car uh, to use the carpool lane. Now, you mentioned the Keller Street Garage. They yeah. charge you to recharge your cars there? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, the company's called ChargePoint, and they have these stations um, in the Keller Street so Garage. So you just, like, there's three of them. a credit card or something? Uh, you do it through an app, uh, okay. and then you give them your card, and so they have it on file, okay. and then they just deduct as you do it. Now, is um, that the case with the charging stations down at the Target Shopping Center? Uh, well, the ones so yeah, so those are Tesla. Most of those, I, I, I think, almost all of those are for Teslas only. That's right. And uh-huh. so you can't use them with other cars. So that's kind of a, a, a bit of a rub. But well, they charge if it's not a Tesla, but if it's a Tesla, then it's free of charge. That that may be the case. Yeah. I've never actually tried to so use. So there's those. there's no universal input for these vehicles. There's uh, there. Well, I, you know, it's a good question. I, I actually haven't tried using one of the Tesla ones because I just saw them and thought, okay, I don't have a yeah. Tesla. I'm not going to go no, try it. It's no, a good, you can do it. You can do it. You just it's have just, to pay. With a Tesla, they don't yeah. charge you. Got it. If you use a Tesla. Uh, it also depends oh. on which Tesla you get. Okay. Oh, because, really? Yeah, because okay. if you get the uh, the Model 3, I think that's – you have to pay into that program or something. But in the, back to – in my case, actually, I got a whole bunch of charge points when I got the EV. So when I said it cost $2.50 – that's actually not true. It deducted that amount from the credit I already have. Oh, okay. Um, so a lot of times when you get an EV, whether it's a lease or a purchase, um, you, as part of the package, they give you a certain number of free okay. charging credits. This is all good information. Yeah. I didn't know this. Well, I, yeah. I just want to go back to the hydrogen pumps. Yeah. Um, when I was you know, researching yeah. that a few yeah. years ago, I went online, and it will actually show you on maps. 
Yes. And there was supposed to be one that was going to be at the, um, you know, where the Cattleman's is. In that area, they were supposed to be putting a hydrogen pump in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if they ever did. And so you really need to look online because it will show you where maps are yeah. of where, you know, just EV and yeah. the um, and the hydrogen. Yeah. Um, oh, it's it's... It, it, there's so many reasons to do it. it. And also just it saves time. You don't have to deal with a gas station. Like I don't ever go to a gas station hardly right. anymore except to inflate my tires and then the guy who was telling me I had to buy gas in order to inflate my tires. <laughs> no, you do not. Interesting. Really? No, I, th- I, think, I think legally they can't charge you to to inflate your tires. To inflate your tires because it's a safety issue. Interesting. And because I've gone to a few places. That's a conservation issue. Yeah, and they were going to charge me. And I said, hey, this is a safety issue. I'm not paying for this. <laughs> Almost every air station in this town charges you. Yes, they yeah. do. But yeah. I think you can, I I think there's the question about Well, that. I used to yeah. just go up and just say, hey, can you turn it on for me? Yeah. And they would say yes. And then I went back another time and the guy said, after you buy gas. I'm like... Okay, I guess I'll just do it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I would too. That's the other thing, they don't have any place for uh, you to pull your RV or your trailer into to yeah. inflate your tires, which yeah. really irks me. Because really, yeah, there's only a few. St- I know them all because yeah. I have a trailer and it's a yeah. 30 foot trailer. I just can't pull into, you know, uh, the corner gas station. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. And now yeah. at Ford, of course, they now have the 50, what is it, the F one fifty or something. Like it's the biggest selling truck or yeah. something, and that's they now have an electric version of that. I saw that. So you know, people are moving in the right direction. You know, I, I want to go back to safety because yeah. those trucks are so big now that when people are going across the crosswalk, if you're like five foot one or five foot two, they can't see you yeah. because those trucks are so high, um, and you know, this was a discussion we had, you know, after Joanna's children mm-hmm. were hit, started doing some more research. And I think in Consumer Report, it talked about the danger of those trucks because they're so high that they can't see pedestrians. And then there was an article in the New York Times, and I'm not sure if the Times got it from Consumer Report, or, but they coincided with each other. And so I just don't understand why people need a truck that you can't even see over. And because I was driving, you know, I have the Legacy, um, um, Subaru Legacy, and Andy has the um, Forester, which is much higher. But it's not that high. But, boy, there was a big difference of me being able to see over the hood and seeing if I was close to the curb or not. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, there's also the issue of uh, how people are driving uh, with Safety and mm-hmm. no, they are maybe maybe we need to be taking the written driving test when we renew <laughs> our license every year. Because no how many people do you see passing on the right? Yep, and you're not supposed to do That's that right. for that very reason yeah. because the person on your left may be stopping it for a pedestrian right. in a That's crosswalk, right. and yeah. you're zooming right. Right yeah. on through. Well, that's what happened when I made yeah. a Facebook post when I was on Edith. It was in Edith Street and Washington Street. I was in the right-hand lane. Mm-hmm. I saw these two cars coming in the mm-hmm. left-hand lane just flying by. They both flew through the intersection. Mm-hmm. And, but I had already seen this young, probably 13, 15-year-old kid mm-hmm. just going into the crosswalk. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't like cameras, but I'll tell you. Well, I took a picture of the cars and... I don't know. Well, it doesn't do any good, but... I mean, <laughs> one of the problems, and this was something actually I saw in a post from Brian Barnacle on Facebook, and he got to a, a, an issue that's... It, it's a pertinent one, and that is that in California, 
we allow you to make a right on a red light. It's true. Which I love as a driver. And it's good. There's a lot of sound reasons for keeping traffic flow. You you want to prevent idling. Of course, if mm-hmm. you have an EV, that's not an issue. But uh, but in terms of um, efficiency conservation, there's some re- there's some good points there. But it's incredibly dangerous. And the other thing is, this whole thing of taking a right turn, or a, or a left for that matter. Well, more often the right. You've got the green light. And um, just just the other day, I mean, I'm, I'm on Petaluma Boulevard and Washington Street, and I've got a green light. I'm about to go r- take a right, and there's people walking because they have the green as well. That that shouldn't happen. You know, I, I but, totally agree with you yeah. on this because, I mean, I've been guilty of doing this. Yeah. And, it, and it kind of shakes you up when oh, you yeah. realize you're doing it. Yeah. And why have a... Why should the pedestrians and the car be able to turn at the same time? The car should not be able to turn. It's counterintuitive exactly. because we're trained green means go. You're, so you're like, okay, I'm going to go. And it's like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. They can go too because no. the crosswalk's saying go. It, no. It's, and, uh, uh, it's a recipe for disaster. It, but, you know, the, back to those ballards that I saw, um, I, I will tell you, I mean, I, we, the first day that we were there, I went to take a right-hand turn. And there was a bike path right next to it. And then, you know, they go, and this guy was kind of, you know, moving on his bike. And I went to make a right-hand turn and didn't realize that he was coming even in the bike lane. And so he was got a little pissed off at me. But I, I was probably in the wrong, but yeah. I didn't see him coming. So it wasn't perfect. But if, I, if a pedestrian was there, it was safer. So um, thanks for bringing that up, Jason. About the and and COVID, uh, you know, now we've got the Delta variant. Uh, I guess uh, nationally, it's a eighty something percent of the cases now are this this uh, more yeah. contagious Delta uh, variant, and that's true here. And there's been a twenty six percent increase uh, just from June twenty second to July sixth in the daily number of COVID nineteen um, uh, patients that have been hospitalized. And that's in that's in California, um, but things are getting worse. The surge, as you've heard, has led to a uh, revisiting of the mask mandates in Los Angeles County. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, it's sounding like um, they're recommending, but it's not. There's no kind of mandate yet. Um, not sure how that's going to go. Well, some of the cases that I know of, like a, uh, of the labs in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. About half the people in the labs have COVID, and they've been vaccinated. Yeah. And so this, these are in our hospitals in Sonoma County. Now, now when people hear yeah. that, don't think, well, then what's the point of getting vaccinated? Because when, when they're talking about having the COVID, yeah, they have the COVID, they have the vaccination, but they have, in most cases, a much milder case. They don't have, exactly. You know, so, so yeah, the, the getting vaccinations doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID. It means that you... Um, the, the most likely thing is that you'll be asymptomatic or have mild symptoms. Well, there was right. a, a group right. of kids that went after graduation, went down to Mexico, about yeah. six of them. Yeah. Two of them came back, and one had a runny nose, so they went and got tested. COVID. So two mm-hmm. of them had COVID. I probably have it. Have you been tested? Um, no. We I probably mean, all have it. No, no <laughs> it was possible, but, but there, was no sim- there were no symptoms but a runny nose. Right. Um, and so the problem is, it's not the person that's vaccinated, it's the people that aren't vaccinated. Right. 
But, yeah. but that's the point, too, is just because yeah. you're vaccinated also doesn't mean you're not a threat to unvaccinated people. Well, that's Because that's you could be, thing. even though you're asymptomatic or mild case, it, that may not be so for the person who passed it. Well, you know when on Fox vaccinated. News, all of a sudden, Sean Hannity yeah. is talking about the need yeah, for people pretty, to uh, get vaccinated. They, it's because everybody on Fox News, all of those guys, Tucker Carlson, all of them, you know, they are all required yeah, to be vaccinated. I know, I know. They're vaccinated. They're telling people not to get vaccinated. And, and the bottom line is, the surge goes up. It's going in the areas that they have the most um, grab on, and it's bad for the economy. I would they not care about if people die. Yeah, that's, this is my <laughs> biggest um, disgust over this. I mean, there's a lot of things that are wrong with it. But the whole idea that there are people that are rooting for failure that's right. when it comes to you know, COVID. I mean, right. people that are actually glad. Right, let's save the fetus. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's like people, I mean, they need voters too, right? I mean, if their supporters can't go and vote for yeah. them, they're not going to win. So it makes no sense yeah. unless their whole mindset is let's just screw it up for yeah. Biden. Let's just make sure that, you know, the economy goes down, everything goes down. We, you know, we've got a surge again. I mean, that. Honestly, that's where I think some of the mindset is. That, that you know what, that is the mindset, but the, the followers, they're just, they're kind of just twisted people. I, I know a lot of these people. Well, I hope that it makes a difference if they hear from the likes of Sean Hannity, but I, I just don't know yeah. because so many people are so deep in the rabbit hole. And this is not just on the right wing. Oh, I mean, no. people people want to always um, place blame there. I mean, hey, I'm the first to, to do that because they they're worthy of blame. Well, look at the Kennedy. Look at but look, and, at, and Kennedy, look at the uh, anti uh, Robert Kennedy that's Jr. Right. Yeah, that's it's right. absolutely awful. He's he was listed as one of the twelve that's, that's uh, right. that is propagating uh, the on social media. That's right. Uh, the these uh, this misinformation. Eric Clapton's another one. Uh huh. <laughs> and Van Morrison. And the thing about Clapton, I saw his interview yesterday where he tried to explain himself. He's been vaccinated. That's well, but he's, but he's telling, he's saying maybe other people shouldn't simply because he had some bad side effects that he didn't expect. So he was sick for a week. Boo-hoo, he could have been dead. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, I'd, I'd like to just quickly talk about, um, if we can, or if anybody doesn't mind, about the, the um, Petaluma City Council for the, about Stefan Perez, who they removed oh, from the right. ad hoc committee advisory. Oh, yeah. Um, on race relations, and I'll tell you, Mike Healy voted to keep him on thinking it's a constitutional right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Does Hitler have a constitutional right? Maybe Mike Healy should have worked in the Nuremberg trial. <laughs> then what would have happened yeah. as a lawyer? Well, I, he I, has a twisted sense of sense when it comes to yeah. wanting to get votes and gathering votes. I try to stay away from Nazi and Holocaust um, Well, analogies. my family was killed in the no, Holocaust, I, so I, I don't stay away no, from No, I, I understand, but I mean, you could make the other argument that to compare something like that uh, it could be disrespectful to Holocaust but regardless of all of that um, I think the I think it's telling in terms of the way the city did it that they didn't talk about his views that's right and that's the point is that they didn't use that use his views as the rationale they, they basically said that they they sort of took the approach that a lot of employers do. I have uh, the right. Fire without cause. That's right. Yeah, and so that was smart, and that's how yep. it's probably going to be bulletproof for them. Yeah. Uh, the other reality is it's not curtailing Stephen Perez from participating. From, well, no, it's not curtailing him from speaking out elsewhere. He that's has right. other ways to get his voice out. So 
Um, from that respect, I, I don't think the city will be challenged in any uh, significant way. That's right. Um, but he was, I mean, the other point is that he was really coming from the entire opposite goal of the committee. I mean, it's like if you had a climate action committee, are you going to bring on a climate change denier? That doesn't really bode well for for making any progress. Well, you know, if you read some of the, the people's comment, I mean, this one is a typical, you can almost read the comment, yeah. one person with indivisible Petaluma bullied the city council yeah. and the CC yeah. did not have the spine yeah. to push back. Mr. Perez works while on the yeah. committee and his contributions to the group were never called into question. What does that tell you? Yeah. Uh, it tells me exactly it was WS that wrote this or this person um, um, uh, whatever the, the initials are, right. um, you know, it's like this, these are the same people that were attacking Joanna Pond yep. at the school board, yeah. and so you yeah. know these people need to—they're they're the Hannity folks. Yeah. yeah, and what Janice is alluding to is the Pulse of Petaluma Thank poll you. that went out last week, right. uh, where they asked, "Do you agree with the city council's decision to remove a seat yeah. from the policing committee?" And the results were that 81% said no and 55% said yes, which is also an interesting... Uh, well, how many respondents well, was it? Well, and plus, yeah. this is not a scientific... Of course I have, it's not. I have a thing about the Pulse of Petaluma, yeah. and I write almost every week saying, when are you going to get rid of this? It's not a scientific... Well, we interviewed the editor, Tyler, and, I he, know. and he said that he wanted to get rid of it, but apparently it drives... Uh, viewers. Well, but I uh, think they need to readers. have a little bit bigger up there. But I mean, to, to say that, okay, yes, 55 and 81 said no. Right. Um, but I mean, I don't, not a lot of people. I mean, it's it's not a lot of people. And it's so interesting. The ones that are no are on that group. They were opposed to the schools. They're opposed to well, they probably voted for Trump. Too. They did, and they, they're opposed <laughs> to masks. Yeah. And so now they're infiltrating the city council also because part they were successful. They're probably also on the recall. Uh, Newsom page. But we well. know these people. Yeah. They have businesses yeah. in Petaluma. Yeah. Well, I don't. Um, I don't go to their businesses. <laughs> well, some people all of a sudden realize that's why we need to educate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's an unfortunate thing. But I'm glad that they resolved it, and uh, it's going to create a much uh, healthier environment to, moving forward on the committee's purpose. So that's a good thing. It's interesting. We haven't heard from Mr. Perez on any of this. Well, you know what? Actually, he was at the meeting apparently no. on Tuesday. No, I heard him speak. And, oh, he, and I think he made some public comment, I believe. But I mean, I was at the baseball game in Alabama, yeah, so yeah. I did not. I wasn't listening. Normally, I do listen to the meeting, and um, you know. I've, I have my opinions on it, and I my my biggest issue is you don't put a committee together with that many people. It's a big. It, big it's way too many, and yeah. if you put a large committee together, a lot of times it will fail. And when you really listen to the people speaking, um, I, I really enjoy um, the black members and what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a whole different, um, uh, it's a whole different discussion and a whole different feeling mm-hmm. about being black versus white. Or even if you're gay and lesbian, it's very different. And this is in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I agree with you. Yeah. I've sat for many years on the, the National Diversity Committee for Kaiser Permanente, and, um, and it was a very diverse board maybe with about 20 people, but we're talking a national committee. Right. Uh, And I felt that way, too, and I also learned a lot from sitting on that 
on that. Uh, well, that's voice. what I learned from listening to people, mm-hmm. and you know, you really see the difference. And you know, I feel really grateful that um, you know I'm friends with John Upon and a few other people, and so I can call and kind of ask some questions. Mm-hmm. And you know, because no matter what, I think all of us have racism in us. We just don't really we don't know it because we don't pinpoint it. Um, and this is really the last couple of years after, well, after George Floyd, I will tell you, opened my heart and my eyes to yeah. really, even who I am personally. Well, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the article I sent you guys uh, about what just happened in San Francisco, uh, where the yes. gay Asian couple were mm-hmm. just harassed yeah. by a, a gentleman who happened to be an African American. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, racism comes in in all all forms. Well, all I, types of people. On my my <laughs> trip, my my cousin is lesbian, yeah. and so you know, so now I have my hair short, uh, and it is. Oh, really you had I saw your Facebook post. We're not a we're couple. not a couple, <laughs> and it's so interesting. We'll be shopping, and somebody will kind of allude to us that we're a yeah, couple, yeah. and you know, we grew up together. So, yeah. I mean, we are cousins, but we're also friends. And it's so, so presumptuous of people well, to do that is. in any context. Maureen and I get that all the time. Oh, do you? Oh, it's it's, it's happened yes. to my life. It's pretty bad, actually, to think that, oh, two women together, it must be this. Right. Like, how yeah. presumptuous. Well, we, were, we took this hike, and this couple, there were two couples ahead of us. We finally got to the top of the hill, and we met them. We wanted them to take our picture. <laughs> and the man said, he asked us what our relationship was. And I said, oh, this is my cousin. We haven't taken a vacation since we graduated high school in 1973. And, but I just thought, I knew exactly where he just was. Just tell him your lovers next time. Well, you know what? I should have, but I just, I, I, I should have. <laughs> Thank you, you know, Let them ruminate. Well, I should have, and I, you know, I just... It's kind of what I they want to hear a lot of times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that you have the same problem. Yeah. I oh, think yeah. any two women together without guys around, for some people, that comes up. It's just, it's a bizarre... Mm-hmm. Well, it's my first experience in, you know, the last, mm-hmm. you know... After actually, after and I cut my hair, and it's based on stereotypes. Oh, yeah. your hair's short, therefore, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh well, yeah. we had a great trip anyway, and I love her because we're cousins and we're good friends. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I was supposed to go hang out with my cousin today, but. She came down with a rash, and we're not sure what that's all about. So, oh, really? Yeah. Well, I hope it's not shingles. So Janice, to top it off, that's what you should say next time. It's I like, Yeah, not only are we lovers, we're cousins. <laughs> so then the whole incest alarm bells go off. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> Play yeah. with people. I will. I know. <laughs> anyway, we've had a fun day. Oh, God. Well, Jerry, Jerry was played with somebody once, and I can't think of what it was, but it was hilarious. Um... And if I think about it, I'll tell you next time. But it was like a classic. Yeah, well, we're going to have to save that for another oh, show. Because yeah. here comes the music. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I forgot to tell my couple stories. Oh. That's good. All right. Next week. <laughs> next week. Yeah. You've been listening to Inside Petaluma here on KPCA 103.3 FM and streaming live at kpca.fm anywhere from the world. And you can go to our um, website, InsidePetaluma.com, and listen to any of our past shows, uh, either through the MP3 file or a podcast. And we also invite you to go to our Facebook page, KPCA Inside Petaluma, and give us a like. 
because, hey, I like you. Yeah, I, I like you, too. I like you, Jason. <laughs> and I love you back in the studio. What a difference. Everybody should like us. <laughs> We're likable. Um, yes, we are. We'll be back again <laughs> next Friday from 11 to noon. And we, we have guests next week today. Yeah. Do we have? <laughs> well, we have uh, Peter Byrne. Peter Byrne. Oh, We're going to talk about uh, the, the elks, the Thule elks in Point Reyes. Yes, and what's going on there. there. And the fouling of the water systems out oh, there. Oh. And all kinds of other stuff. Oh, great. That yeah, include indigenous people. Yes. Peter's great. Yeah.